What is up, you spooky bitches? Welcome back to another episode of the Hello Sydney podcast, a podcast for horror lovers where we talk about any and all things horror. It's me, your host, Sydney. Uh, If you listened in last week, we talked about 70s horror, and this week we're going to be talking about 80s horror. And let me tell you guys, it was way harder to narrow down my top 10 80s horror movies than it was my top 10 70s. And like, I'm pretty sure I said last week, like the 70s and the 80s vie for which decade was the most iconic but I think ultimately I might have to pick the 80s because there's so many gems guys and I don't even we're I don't even know if we're gonna be able to talk about all of them but we're gonna talk about a lot of them the 80s was the decade of slashers like this is where slashers really came on the scene even more than the 70s like obviously the 70s gave us Michael Myers and Leatherface but like I feel like there were just so many more slasher movies and this is where we getting we were getting the franchises too right so we got like five Nightmare on Elm Streets we got like a bunch of Friday the 13th Hellraisers we got more Halloweens this was the decade of insane body horror and this was also the decade of like what I like to call a Stephen King renaissance but we'll get to that it was a great decade for vampires it was a great decade for werewolves I think the 80s honestly had the most diversity in horror for any decade like anything that you like you will get in an 80s movie you will find an 80s movie for whatever your taste is so I'm going to start by going through my top 10 and then we'll get into some other movies from that and I'm just giving everybody a fair warning Uh, I'm probably going to piss some people off with this episode because there are definitely some very beloved 80s movies that I'm not necessarily a fan of so yeah just be prepared to get angry I guess I don't know but not really because like even if there's movies that have a good place in horror cinema like even if I don't like them I definitely respect them so we don't have to like everything you don't have to like the classics I feel like that is something that like horror fans feel like like people are embarrassed to say like oh I don't like this movie because it's a classic you don't have to like it that's fine don't worry about it unless it's one of my favorites and you don't like it then you just have no taste no I'm just fucking with you anyway without further ado let's get into my top 10 but first of all I'm gonna mention a couple of honorable mentions which I narrowed myself down to two because otherwise I would have had like 10 honorable mentions but we'll get to all of those too but my first honorable mention that didn't make it into my top 10 but I really wanted to put there is what I believe to be the most underrated slasher movie of all time and it is a movie called Intruder from 1989. Intruder is about this group of people that works in a grocery store and they are being attacked and like picked off one by one by this maniac inside the grocery store and it is just so bloody and so gruesome and Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are in it so honestly I don't know what else you need and I don't know why this movie is not talked about more it's just like such 80s slasher fun it's creative it's got great practical effects I honestly cannot recommend this movie enough and I just again like this is one where I really can't believe that more people don't know about it and more people haven't seen it my other honorable mention here and honestly like the reason I didn't end up putting this in my top 10 is because I never really thought of it as a horror movie when I was a kid it was just something that I watched all the time but it's gremlins and gremlins is very near and dear to my heart like I used to watch this as a kid like super young and again it just like never struck me as being a horror movie like I always just thought it was so fun and I thought it was a kids movie because I've also been watching like Texas Chainsaw Massacre since I was four but whatever I digress but I fucking love Gremlins my first dog was actually named Gizmo after Gremlins this movie just gives me such a sense of nostalgia just again because I watched it when I was super young um but I this is one that I have to watch every Christmas because I definitely consider it a Christmas movie and you can fight me on that if you want you will lose I still think this is a great movie if you want to like kind of ease your kids into horror because it 
has a good balance of like the comedy and the actual like horror part. And I don't think it's too gory or too violent. And overall, just a 10 out of 10 film. I fucking love Gremlins. Now into my top 10. There's going to be a lot of classics in here. And then there's going to be some movies that you're probably like, what the fuck? Why aren't they in your top 10? But again, we'll get to those. We're going to cover everything. But in 10th place, I have another movie that I find to be like, severely criminally underrated and it's brian usna's society from also 1989 like intruder i think i just fact check myself it is from 1989 and this movie is just downright fucking weird like there's really no other description for it other than it's like really twisted and weird it's about this kid who lives in california with his parents and he like comes to discover that his parents are in this weird orgy cult Yes, you heard me correctly. And like there is a shot in this movie of like a face in a butt. Like I don't really know how to explain it. Like the guy bends over and shows his bare ass, but there is a face in it like where his asshole is supposed to be. This probably isn't making this movie sound like good at all but I promise you it is I really like this movie it's super unique and honestly to this day like you won't find anything else like this movie like I feel like things have tried to recreate it but nothing will ever get close I don't think in ninth place I have a classic and it's poltergeist and I truly believe that poltergeist is just the greatest paranormal horror movie ever and I think it really like set a precedent for what paranormal horror was going to be uh, kind in the way that like I think Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw set the precedent for slashers. I think Poltergeist did that with paranormal horror. This is another one that I remember just watching super young. So I feel like it's always been a part of my life. And then like as I grew up, I feel like the lore behind Poltergeist actually made me love it more. So like if you've listened to my Curse Films episode, I talk about Poltergeist a lot because there was just a lot of like shady shit that happened on the set of that movie and like a lot of unfortunate deaths and a lot of shit behind it and like again that lore and that those backstories just make it like much scarier for me to watch now as an adult in eighth place i have a movie that i feel like gets a lot of hate but it's honestly probably one of my favorite stephen king movies and it's silver bullet and i don't give a fuck if anybody judges me for that silver bullet is probably my favorite werewolf movie and there's just something about it again like the level of nostalgia and it's probably the fact that this is another one that i watched when i was super young but i've always loved this movie like Corey haim in this movie oh my god now there's another werewolf movie that came out in the 80s that i feel like most horror fans like if you asked actually there's a couple but if you ask like what's the best werewolf film that came out of the 80s people are either going to say the howling or an american werewolf in london now i believe that an American Werewolf in London absolutely has the best werewolf transformation scene in any movie ever. And like that is the movie that made werewolf transformation seem painful and seem like the most terrifying thing ever. And like that scene is still embedded in my memory. And then The Howling has D. Wallace. I mean, that's literally all you need. And both are great movies. Don't get me wrong. I don't knock either of them. And werewolves are probably one of my least favorite subgenres. But like for me, Silver Bullet is above both of those. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about it. I fucking love Silver Bullet. Now, the 80s was also a renaissance, I feel like, for our Lord and Savior, David Cronenberg. And uh, obviously, I can't have a top 10 80s list without having one of his movies in my top 10. So taking guesses now, what do you think it is? Scanners. 
The Fly. Uh, neither. In number seven, I actually have Videodrome, even though I absolutely love Scanners and The Fly. So like Scanners, that head bursting scene is one of my top 10, I would probably say. Top 10 favorite deaths in a horror movie ever. So memorable. The use of practical effects in the 80s period was just like such an, uh, oh my God, just such a beautiful thing. And I think like CGI came along and ruined so many things, but they actually had to work at shit back then. And that head exploding scene is like, nothing else honestly and then the fly like jeff goldblum i think i talked about him in my last episode when we were talking about invasion of the body snatchers he is just such a national treasure and him as Brundlefly, it's just so vile like the transformation and there is a fingernail scene in that movie if you followed me on tiktok you probably know that like the one thing i honestly cannot handle in horror movies is fingernail mutilation i can watch most anything else eyes are a difficult time for me too but like fingernails it makes me like have such a visceral reaction and like the fingernail scene of his like fingernails falling out and him trying to put them back in and the fly is forever seared into my memory. I wish I could forget it, but I never will. But despite how much I love those two movies, Videodrome is the only David Cronenberg one in my top 10. And first of all, I love James Woods. James Woods is actually from Rhode Island, as am I. So he's our local celebrity. So I love basically everything he's done just by default. And it's also just weird. Like I wouldn't say it's as weird as society or like if it is as weird it's weird in a different way and like I just love weird shit but like I feel like Videodrome has the perfect level of satire while also just being shocking like long live the new flesh is such an iconic phrase I love everything about this movie in sixth place I have one of our iconic slashers Chucky because in sixth place I have child's play and I <laughs> Chucky's one of my favorite slashers because first of all Brad Dourif's voice is he's such an icon that man and without his voice Chucky is nothing and that's why like that's one of the many reasons why I didn't like the 2019 version at all because like you really can't make Chucky without Brad Dourif he literally is the character and I feel like that goes for a lot of these slashers and we'll talk about that because I have some more in my top 10 here but Brad Dourif just is Chucky and he just brings that character to life and like the thought of this little two foot five doll being as violent and as murderous and psychotic as he is, is just like so funny, but also so terrifying. The words that come out of this doll's mouth, like my personal favorite scene of Child's Play from 1988 is when the mom is like, talk to me, God damn it, or I'm going to throw you in the fire. And he comes alive and he goes, you stupid bitch, you fucking slut. I'll teach you to fuck with me. Like that is such a pivotal moment in horror history. Like a doll saying those words or like nothing anybody had ever seen before. He's so vulgar and angry and he's just so little. And I fucking love Chucky so much. And Child's Play is just untouchable. And this is one of the movies that made me absolutely terrified of dolls because I used to watch Child's Play 1 and 2 a lot when I was a kid. And I never wanted to have dolls after that. So thank you, Chucky. In fifth place, I have another iconic slasher. And I feel like this one kind of tied for child's play with me. Like it honestly probably depends on the day, which one's going to be fifth and sixth. But again, I love them basically the same. Uh, but at number five, I have Hellraiser. And this is another one where like Doug Bradley is pinhead. And that's why I hated the 2022 version. Well, again, there's a lot of reasons I hated the 2022 version. It just wasn't good. But like anybody who tries to play 
an iconic slasher is automatically going to have a difficult time. I forget the name of the woman that played Pinhead in this new movie, something Clayton, I think. Um, She did well. Like, I don't think she did bad at all. However, she's not Doug Bradley. I don't care who it is. Like, you're not Doug Bradley. Other than Freddy Krueger, I would say that Pinhead has the most iconic lines of all time. Like, especially in Hellraiser, like, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering and we'll tear your soul apart. Like there's just so many. We have such sights to show you. Like it's endless. And this is one of those movies where Pinhead actually has like minimal screen time, but it doesn't even matter because he is the movie. There's no movie without him. In fourth place, I have a movie that is probably one of the most iconic films in horror cinema, and it is none other than 1982's The Thing. This is another movie, and if not like the movie, that perfectly demonstrates the use of practical effects in the 80s and how effective they were. Like those creatures and just everything about this movie is perfect. And like John Carpenter, like he's coming down from the high of Halloween. And then he creates another iconic movie. Like, imagine being that man. I can't. Well, there's some iconic 80s movies that I think personally don't hold up. And we'll get to that. This is a movie that 1000% holds up. Like, it's still scary. It's still great. It is still one of the greatest horrors ever made in 2024. And I don't think it'll ever lose its place in the horror genre. On to my top three, which at least my top two, if you followed me on TikTok or listened to me talk about anything on TikTok for any amount of time, you'll probably know what my top two are. I'm sure you won't be surprised. But in number three, I have Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger is my favorite slasher. And when I said Pinhead has like the second best lines. I still stand by that because I think Freddy Krueger has the best one-liners. He has the best punchlines. Now, for a lot of people, I know like Michael Myers might be their favorite or Jason might be their favorite. But for me, I like a slasher who talks. Like I like the banter. I like the back and forth. I like the insults. And that's why Freddy Krueger is my favorite because he talks, he talks and he shit talks and I fucking love it. And this is another movie where like Robert England is Freddy Krueger. And in the remake, like this is one of the re- this is probably one of my least favorite remakes, like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake is trash. And like Jackie Earl Haley, I think is the guy's name. He's another one. I think he did well, but like he was set up to fail before he even came on the screen. There's no way anybody is living up to Robert England. There's no way anybody is going to compare to Robert England. It just wasn't fair. And that's why I like don't think they should remake movies like this because you're just setting up your actors for failure. This is one of the many movies that made me absolutely fall in love with horror. Like I remember watching this when I was a kid and I had nightmares of Freddy Krueger. Like I was terrified of Freddy Krueger and like that fear is what made me love the genre. So like I'm forever grateful to Freddy and to this movie. This is one of the few franchises where I actually enjoy every single movie in the franchise. Even the ones that people usually consider bad, I like them. I like everyone. I love the franchise. I love seeing Freddy, even when he's riding on a broomstick like the Wicked Witch of the West, which is fucking stupid, but still so iconic. I don't even care. Nancy Thompson is one of the most iconic final girls. And Freddy, honestly, I'm sorry, he's the most iconic slasher to me. Like the glove, the outfit, the burns. His look alone is just so scary and so creative. And then like the performance behind it, just I don't think anybody can touch Freddy. I really don't. In second place, I have one of the few movies to ever genuinely scare the shit out of me in my life. And that is 1981's Evil Dead. And 
I watched this movie, I was probably about 12 years old, and I had the most terrifying nightmare of my life the night that I watched it, and I'll never forget it. And I think that contributed to like this movie scaring the shit out of me and it being like such a favorite in my eyes, but like I'll never forget that experience. And that nightmare stemmed from the scene in Evil Dead where they're playing cards or whatever, trying to predict the card, and you hear the demon girl in the background being like, queen like eight of spades blah 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 and like then you they turn and she's like levitating in the window and she turns around and her eyes are all whited out like that still to this day gives me chills i love how this movie turned the whole like all the horror tropes that were going on at the time completely turned it on its head by having a final guy instead of a final girl this is another one that i truly think still holds up and like it's so impressive that they made this on the budget they made this on and they were just able to create such an iconic film that like all these years later, I think still is so haunting and so gory and so visceral and so gruesome. I I can't get enough of this movie. And again, to this day, for me personally, it's still unsettling. It's still creepy. Like I, It still sends a chill down my spine when I watch it. And I've watched hundreds of thousands of horror movies at this point in my life. And again, it introduced us one of our most iconic horror characters, I think, of all time, Ash Williams. And I, I love the idea of a final guy. I do. And at this point, I don't think we had seen that yet before. And he paved the way. And he's he's one of few, but he's the greatest. And this is one where I do genuinely believe that like even the 2013 version, I probably put like on an equal plane as the original, even though I love the original one so much. And I know a lot of people actually prefer the 2013 version. And like, I think that's completely fair and completely respectable because the 2013 version is even more unsettling, more gory, more gruesome. Um, and this is, if you're going to do a remake or a reboot, that's how to do it. And I don't even like to consider the 2013 version a remake because like the characters are different. The storyline is pretty different. Um, but they still did a great job with it. More recent, but I also even really liked Evil Dead Rise. Like this is one where, again, I really do genuinely enjoy every movie that is in this franchise. And I actually hope that they continue to expand it and give us more because I fucking love it so much. But number one of the 80s is what is my favorite vampire movie of all time. And it is The Lost Boys from 1987. There is something about this movie that just like fills me with so much joy. And the first time I saw this movie, I swear to God, like my brain chemistry change and I've been obsessed with it ever since like I think about the Lost Boys at least like once a week probably more than that actually because I have a Lost Boys poster like hanging up framed in my living room because I'm that fucking obsessed with it this movie I already wish I was alive in the 80s I really do wish that but this movie makes me like yearn for the 80s it makes me want that so deeply like what I don't I've never had a movie make me yearn for something that I've never known but this movie does it everything in this movie to me is perfect from the costume design specifically to the casting whoever casted for this movie deserves a fucking Oscar um, because I've never seen a more beautiful cast in my life having the two Corys in this movie and that started their whole like empire Michael and Star are literally like the two most attractive people I've ever seen in my life same thing with Keith Kiefer Sutherland playing David like Everybody's just so beautiful. This movie's so aesthetically pleasing. It's got a perfect balance of comedy. It has a great twist at the end with the head vampire. And don't even get me started on the music. Like Cry Little Sister, that song literally brings me to tears because of how just hauntingly beautiful it is. Every single thing about this movie in my eyes is perfect and I don't think it can ever be touched. I think it will continue to be my favorite vampire movie 
until the day I die. Honestly, like nothing even comes close to it. Now, the 80s was interesting because there were certain years where there were movies like vying in the same category. And the reason I say that after talking about The Lost Boys is because The Lost Boys came out in 1987. And in that same year, another vampire movie came out, which was called Near Dark from 1987. And I actually really enjoy Near Dark, but I think it like because the Lost Boys was so good and I think a lot of people preferred the Lost Boys like Near Dark kind of just like fell by the wayside which I don't think is fair um, because it's a really good movie also and Bill Paxton is in it who I just love R.I.P. but again unfortunately I think it just like paled in comparison to the Lost Boys so it didn't get the attention that I think it would have if it was released like before the Lost Boys was or at a different time period and then we already touched on the werewolf movies but the same thing happened in 1981 because American Werewolf in London came out that year and The Howling also came out the same year and for me, at least personally, I think American Werewolf in London outshined The Howling. Like anytime, like especially first coming up as a horror lover, like as a kid, I feel like I always heard about an American Werewolf in London and I never really heard about The Howling until like later when I really became like engrossed in the horror genre and the horror community. Now, something I already touched on and let's get more into this. I believe the 80s is like a Stephen King renaissance period. And now Stephen King gives us so much source material that, of course, his movies are going to be, I mean, his books are going to be made into movies. Like, I honestly don't know if any of his books haven't been made into movies at this point. Um, but I like the 80s was just like a boom for him. Like the 70s, we had seen a couple, right? So we saw Carrie and we saw Salem's Lot. But then all of a sudden, 1980 rolls around and like, it's like every year or we're getting multiple a year of Stephen King adaptations. Like they were just coming out of fucking left field. And that first started in 1980 with The Shining. And this is the one when I said earlier that you guys are probably going to get mad at me. This is really the one that I had in mind because like I said, like the thing I think really held up and I think some movies didn't. The Shining, unfortunately, is one movie that I do not believe held up. I will continue to watch this movie for the performances like Jack Nicholson in this movie should have won an Oscar. I think it's one of the greatest performances in horror history and I'll watch it for like the cinematic value alone. Like it is just like aesthetically beautiful to look at. And I'm going to be one of those snobs right now. But like in comparison to the book, The Shining, this movie is not even fucking close. Like it does not even it can't even hold a candle to the fucking book. And now before I read the book, because I had seen the movie, I've been watching this movie, another one since I was a kid. And I read the book a little bit later. And I always liked the movie until I read the book. And then I was like, OK, I understand why Stephen King hates this movie. It doesn't even come close. The way the story unfolds and the characters develop in the book is like really intricate and well thought out and in the book Jack Torrance is a loving father who is struggling with alcoholism and he gets to this hotel thinking he's going to make a better life for him and his family and it ends up just driving him insane whereas in the movie Jack Torrance was crazy right off the rip like that scene of him in the office at the beginning he's already fucking nuts like you can already tell this dude's already insane so I think the movie really like took away from his character development and then it just made Wendy seem like a weak wife weak woman period and the movie overall like I think it's really just long and drawn out and I'm just honestly not a Stanley Kubrick fan like I think that's what it comes down to like I I'm not crazy about any of his movies my favorite Stanley Kubrick movie is Full Metal Jacket which isn't even a horror movie all the others are kind of just eh or I just downright don't like them at all again this is one I completely respect its place in the horror community like I still think this movie is absolutely iconic and completely a classic I just 
don't go out of my way to watch it and it's not one of my favorites. And then we got Creepshow, which Stephen King worked on and Stephen King is in and Stephen King's son is even in. And Creepshow is just maybe my favorite anthology. Eh, Trick or Treat might be my favorite anthology, but Creepshow is definitely up there. And I just, I love Creepshow. Creepshow 2 also came out in the 80s. This is another one that I think just gives like such a sense of nostalgia for something that I've never even experienced. In 1983, we then got Christine and Cujo. Um, Christine, I prefer the book. I think Christine, the book is incredible. I read it in like three days. The movie's okay. I don't hate the movie. Um, It's all right. But Cujo... Let me fucking tell you about Cujo. And this is why I also love the 80s because we had a lot of iconic horror stars in the 80s like emerging. And one of those is Dee Wallace. So like I said, Dee Wallace was in The Howling and Dee Wallace is the main character in Cujo. And I truly believe like other than Jack Nicholson, Dee Wallace's performance in Cujo is one of the greatest performances in horror history. And I don't think she's respected enough for it. Stephen King says the same thing, like how amazing Dee's performance was in this movie. And this lady put herself through fucking hell. Like I remember watching an interview with her and she said that they treated the dogs on set better than they treated her. And after filming this movie, she actually had to be treated for like exhaustion and dehydration because her body was just in like, obviously she was acting like she was scared the whole time in the heat and sweating, but like your body doesn't know that you're acting. So you're just in this like fight or flight mode constantly for days in the heat and this woman deserves recognition for this role. Anyway, I digress. And then the year later in 1984, they're just popping out fucking Stephen King movies left and right because again, he's popping out books like it's just easy. So then the next year, 1984, we get uh, Children of the Corn and we get Firestarter. So Children of the Corn, 1984, this I think is the only good Children of the Corn adaptation that we have. They made a remake in like 2009 or something. And then they just made an atrocity of a remake back in like 2022, 23, whatever. And that was honestly one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like I would never tell anybody to not watch a movie because I think everybody should form their own opinion. But this is one where I could confidently say like, don't watch it. You're not really missing anything. Um, But the original Children of the Corn, I think, is one that does hold up. The kids are creepy as fuck. This is just one of the many horror movies that I like to call fuck them kids and it contributes to me never wanting to have children in my whole life because I can't even imagine what I would do if they ended up like that. Firestarter I love. Um, Firestarter the book is probably one of my favorite Stephen King books like I would probably put that in my top 10 which is saying a lot because he has a lot of books and I've read a lot of his books Um, but this with baby Drew Barrymore in it is oh my god I love her and I like I couldn't think of a more perfect person to play this role and um this is another one that they remade and it was just an absolute fucking disgrace like it completely did not show this relationship between charlie and her father that is so evident in the book and evident in the original movie um it's not nearly as good and honestly even like the 1984 version it's good don't get me wrong but listen if you like the movie go read the book because the book is fucking incredible In 1985, we got Cat's Eye, which is another anthology that came from Stephen King. Drew Barrymore is also in it in a little minor role. Um, That's a good one. I like the the story about the ledge specifically because I always liked that short story that Stephen King did. It always gave me a lot of anxiety because, you know, heights and shit. And in 1985, we also got Silver Bullet, which we've already talked about. One of my favorite, like probably my favorite werewolf movie of all time. Also a Stephen King story. I feel like there's a lot of movies that people don't realize came from Stephen King because it's like, how could one person come up with so many iconic horror stories? Like, what? How is that possible? 
And that is why I refer to him as my Lord and Savior, which I'm just realizing I also added David Cronenberg to that list in this episode. And that is perfectly fine with me. In 1986, we got another Stephen King movie that was directed by him. And this is actually one that I haven't seen, uh, but it's Maximum Overdrive. And apparently I hear this movie is really bad. And Stephen King himself has like done interviews saying he doesn't even remember like creating this movie or directing this movie or anything because he was just so coked out at the time because this is when he was struggling with drug addiction. So I'll get to it eventually. It's just definitely like not in my list of priorities. <laughs> and finally, from the mind of Stephen King, we also got Pet Cemetery this year. And they really have remade a lot of Stephen King movies. Um, the remake of Pet Cemetery was trash. Uh, I like it's just not even it's forgettable like I'm trying to even like remember a scene from it and I honestly like can't remember anything about it right now like that's how forgettable it is but the original I think is a classic and this is one where it's another one of like a fuck them kids movie because I never want to have kids thinking of Gage with his little scalpel cutting the Achilles tendon no fucking thank you and this is another one where the book I the book is actually very close to the movie in this case but when it comes to the book, I really like this one because there is a little excerpt in the beginning from Stephen King saying how he actually believes that this is the scariest story he's ever written. And it's actually based a lot on truth, which sounds weird, but hear me out. So when he was living in Maine with his family, he still lives in Maine, but when he was like kind of younger and like his family was just starting out, one of his kids, like his kids were young and they moved into a new house and in the backyard in the woods, they found a pet cemetery and it was spelled exactly like it is S-C-M-A-T-A-R-Y, I think, obviously wrong. Um, but that's where he got the idea for this. And then at the same time, like he got this idea and one day his son almost ran into the road because they lived on a main road. And luckily for him, his son wasn't hit and wasn't killed, but it got him thinking like, what would happen if he was like, how desperate would I be? And he kind of put those two things together and created Pet Cemetery. So obviously that is near and dear to his heart because it's something that could have happened to him. Obviously not the resurrecting bodies and stuff, but um, when you, I feel like that knowing that made me appreciate the story a lot more. There's honestly probably other 80s movies that came from Stephen King adaptations that I don't even know about or that I missed because there's just so many, but like, the man's a fucking genius and a lot of his movies are really good too if they use the source material correctly. Now, like I said earlier, obviously we got a lot of iconic slashers in the 70s, um, but I really believe that the slasher renaissance came in the 80s. And one of the movies that I didn't include in my top 10 that people were probably like, what the fuck, why like they were waiting for it is Friday the 13th from 1980. This is another one I absolutely respect its place in horror cinema. I very much enjoy it. I enjoy all the Friday the 13th movies, but like Jason and like Friday the 13th period is just simply not not my favorite franchise and don't get me wrong i'll still watch every single friday the 13th movie every year on repeat at least once like i'm not saying i don't like it i still love them jason's just not my favorite but we got a lot of friday the 13th movies in the 80s in 1980 we also got maniac which is like one of the more gruesome slashers and this is one that like i don't think people talk about enough either kind of like intruder um this movie is like downright disturbing at points. Like, so I guess I understand why it's not for everybody. I love it personally. 
Um, but yeah, just 1980 alone. Like we got Maniac, we got Prom Night, we got Terror Train, like slashers just coming out immediately at the turn of the decade. Prom Night, by the way, like that's another one where I'm like absolutely obsessed with the new Prom Night, I think from like 2008. And that's another one where like people call it a remake, but I don't even think we can consider it a remake because the storylines, the characters, everything is completely different. Um, and I like the 1980 Prom Night. And this is also where like Jamie Lee Curtis had her boom, right? Because she was in Prom Night, Terror Train. She had just come out of doing Halloween. Um, but yeah, I mean, the original Prom Night, it's fine. And this is another case where we had movies vying, right? Because like 1980, Friday the 13th was, I think, maybe if somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, probably the first like camp slasher, right? But then in 1981, we also got The Burning, another camp slasher. And in 1983, we got Sleepaway Camp, another camp slasher, all of which are bangers, by the way. The Burning and Sleepaway Camp are fucking awesome. And it wasn't even American horror movies because in 1982, we had Tenebrae. So it was a Dario Argento Italian giallo, right? So like slashers were coming at us from every angle. The Prowler. And then in 1982, we got two movies that I think like kind of are can be compared like the house on sorority row and then slumber party massacre it's basically about these a bunch of like young girls young high school college girls in a house just getting picked off one by one curtains from 1983 is another really underrated slasher and like this is one that admittedly i watched for the first time relatively recently and like when we're talking about masks in horror movies, I believe that the mask that this fucking bitch wears in curtains is one of the scariest and most unsettling masks in horror cinema. Like, if I saw somebody wearing this mask coming towards me, I would probably just drop dead from a fucking heart attack anyway. They wouldn't even have to kill me. And then kind of like Dee Wallace talking about just like icons that were coming out in the 80s. In 1984, we had Night of the Comet. So we had Kelly Maroney. And then we had Reanimator in 1985, I think. Yeah, 1985. And we had Barbara Crampton. Obviously, we saw Heather Langenkamp. We saw like Kirstie from Hellraiser, like all of these horror stars in the 80s, like Ash Williams. And I feel like that's just something that doesn't exist anymore. Like we don't have our horror icons. And I'm not even just talking about slashers. I'm talking about our actors and actresses that are exclusively known for horror movies. You know, like again, we had Jamie Lee, like that doesn't exist. And that's something that makes me kind of sad. And like I said, this is, I think, probably the most diverse decade for horror because we had werewolves. We already talked about, right? We had vampires because then in 1985 we also had fright night come out so we had like three iconic vampire movies probably more than that i'll probably get to more but fright night near dark the lost boys and then we also had zombies like reanimator i believe honestly i consider a zombie movie but we also had uh george romero's day of the dead which is the third in his trilogy really if you're thinking like night of the living dead dawn of the dead day of the dead one of which comes out in each decade like he literally owned the zombie genre in every decade. But then we also had the return of the living dead in 1985, which is like one of my personal zombie movies simply for the tar man and the eighties, I think along with the seventies, but like still continue to see that boom from like the Italian horror cinema. Uh, because like I already said, like Tenebrae and like Dario Argento had some other movies at this time. Um, and then we also had Demons from 1985 by Lamberto Bava, which is one of my favorite Italian films. And then you had some movies that were like honestly downright dumb. Like you have The Stuff and you have Chopping Mall and you have Basket Case, which is kind of insane and like almost on the same level as society, I think. Um, but like it doesn't even matter. Like they, the plots were just so unique and so original. And even though, yes, they were a little dumb, they were there's so much fucking fun. And like, honestly, the 80s is just such an iconic time for horror. And like even the movies in the 80s that are bad, 
they're still good. And like, I still have such a good time watching them. Another like vying double feature, because in 1986, we had Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and The Hitcher, which I think are kind of similar just in terms of like the psychopathic serial killers. Um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is actually a movie that I think personally is like overrated. I actually don't really like that movie. Um, I don't know why. And I don't really remember much about it, but I remember hearing so much about it for years and years. And then I finally watched it and I was just kind of disappointed. Um, Maybe I'll revisit. I don't know. Maybe it deserves a revisit. But then in 86, we also had The Hitcher, which like I fucking love The Hitcher and like having Ponyboy. What is his name? Thomas something. in this movie was just like such a cherry on top. I really do enjoy The Hitcher. And then you had more Dario Argento coming out at this time, too. So like Phenomena and Opera and Inferno was an earlier 80s one. And obviously he had a lot of iconic films in the 70s, but that continued for him into the 80s. And if anything, I would say that 80s was an even better decade for him. One of my favorite horror comedies is also from the 80s, and um, it's Killer Clowns from Outer Space from 1988. And this is just another one just shows the diversity and also like the creativity that went behind 80s movies because like they really did take a chance. Like Killer Clowns from Outer Space about a bunch of clowns that like trap you in cotton candy it honestly sounds like the dumbest thing ever because it is but it worked like i don't know how it worked but it worked and again i feel like in the 80s they just they everybody just took a chance like they wrote these stupid fucking stories that again were like pretty dumb but it worked like i feel like they weren't trying to appeal to the audience they were appealing to the horror lovers who were going to love what they put out no matter what because we just love the genre we're going to love what we get and like they didn't care about like box office and like records like we do these days like they weren't appealing to the critics they were appealing to the horror lovers and i think that's why this is the most iconic and the best decade for horror and probably ever will be i don't i don't think we'll ever top this if i could time travel um, I know you guys can, if you're listening, aka the FBI agent in my phone. I know you guys have the ability to just like, let me just so I could go back to the eighties for like a week. Like, I just want to like live there for just a week. Like I'll take it. Um, I just want to know what it was like because it just looks so much fun and the clothes was cool and everybody seemed nice. And I really just wish I could go back there because 2024 sucks. And yeah, I want to check out the eighties. So government, if you're hearing this, help a sister out. Also, please don't kill me. If I die under mysterious circumstances, uh, you know why. Anyway, I hope you liked this episode and I hope maybe you have more like titles from the 80s that you've maybe never seen or never heard of and you're going to go check them out because again, even the ones that are bad, I promise you, they're still good and they still have this level of nostalgia to them and horror from the 80s is just untouchable and I wish I was around to experience it. Next week, we're going to cover the 90s and I was born in 1995. So this is about getting to the time period where I actually like remember um, these movies coming out. So like towards the end of the 90s and then once we get to the 2000s and stuff. So like seeing a lot of these movies in theaters really affected how much I love them. Um, so we'll get to that eventually. And I'm again, I'm sure if I was around in the 80s, I would have a lot more movies on this list that I absolutely loved just for the sentimental value. So until next week, make sure you follow me on TikTok and Instagram. You should know where I'm at by now, but it's horror underscore chronicles. I post especially on TikTok basically every day. And until next time, make sure you watch more horror movies and stay spooky, my friends. Mm-hmm.